Hello and welcome to the Nurse and Midwife Support Podcast. Your health matters. I'm Mark Aiken, the podcast host for today. I'm the Stakeholder Engagement Manager with Nurse and Midwife Support, and I'm a registered nurse. Nurse and Midwife Support is the national support service for nurses, midwives and students. The service is anonymous, confidential and free, and you can call us anytime about any issue you need support for. 1-800-667-877 or contact us via the website nmsupport.org.au. My guests today are Associate Professor Catherine Chamberlain. Catherine is NHMRC Career Development Fellow, Principal Researcher, Healing the Past by Nurturing the Future Project. Catherine has a PhD and is a registered midwife. My other guest is Tanisha Edwards. Tanisha is a registered midwife and sessional teacher at the Australian Catholic University in the Indigenous Health and Culture subject and currently works at the Royal Women's Hospital in Melbourne. Welcome and hello, Kath and Tanisha. Hi. Hi. Great to have you both here today to yarn about all things Aboriginal health, for particularly for um, midwives who are supporting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. Thanks, Mark. Well, it's a real privilege to be here today um, talking to you. I'd just like to start by acknowledging that we're on the land of the Wurundjeri people here where we meet today in Melbourne. So Kath would you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and the great work you're doing? Thank you Mark. Well I'm a registered midwife as you said and I'm currently principal investigator for Healing the Past by Nurturing the Future project. Most of my work is around how we can improve health during the perinatal period, so pregnancy to the first two years after birth. And there's just, it's such an important time for, you know, for that, for the baby and for the parents. And the things that we do during that time can have impacts for everybody, you know, throughout the rest of their life. One of the things that we're learning about that's really important at the moment is complex trauma so that's been intergenerational trauma has been is something that affects Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people particularly but it is a problem all world you know all over the world it occurs after you know this definition it's just evolving at the moment our sort of understanding of it but it's occurs after there's been a severe threat in early childhood from when child you know children can't escape and it's related to it involves the fright flight and fight response which is one of our survival mechanisms and also those attachment things that are really important in early childhood and they're both conflicting together so you get the the child that is frightened conflict and but also really needing to attach to the mother and that we know now we're learning a lot more about it how that can really cause a lot of problems you know for people throughout the rest of their life sort of social social um, psychological and also a lot of real physical health problems so we're, we're doing some work now around what we can do during the perinatal period to identify 
and support parents that are experiencing complex trauma, Aboriginal parents. Such Mm. important work, Kath. Mm. How did you get into it doing this area of research? Well, I've been doing public health research for over 15 years now. So as I said, I was looking originally around smoking and diabetes and obesity that are responsible for a lot of, you know, illness and death in our communities in particular. And one of the things that we were, you know, we're learning is is some, a lot of things do help, but a lot of the time they don't work as well as we, you know, things that would work in other communities aren't working quite as well as we would hope when we start to, to implement them in, you know, for, for Aboriginal people. And some of the evidence coming out was showing that things like smoking and obesity are really strongly associated with complex trauma and child maltreatment and also the interventions seem to be less effective amongst people who have experienced have those experiences so it's a part of the mosaic puzzle that we don't understand well and then so then in 2017 we submitted a grant application to the national health and medical research council and to the Lowitcher Institute, and then we've started working with a really amazing team of psychologists, um, psychiatrists, other midwives, nurses, and um, Aboriginal health experts. And I imagine in your long career as a midwife, you've cared for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have suffered the effects of the intergenerational trauma and you observed that through being a midwife and found ways to support the community but also identified things that needed to happen that weren't happening? Yeah, well, like as I said, it's. I think this is something that we're, well, all people in Aboriginal, working in Aboriginal communities with have been grappling with for quite a while. Yeah. And there was a survey done by the Centre of Perinatal Excellence in 2017 and 98% of people working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mothers identified trauma, loss and grief as a really important issue. So this is something that people that we know has been an issue for a while. And certainly a lot of Aboriginal organisations have identified this as a key priority. So for instance, in 2016, it was the key theme of our National Lowitcher Institute Conference. And AMSANT have it at the Aboriginal Medical um, Services in the NT have that as this is one of their key priorities and several other um, bodies also really trying to address this so it is something that um, you know that we've all seen and it's something that we're struggling with and we actually don't know exactly what to do at the moment so that's what the research is about what can we actually do to try and uh, support people better. And it really goes to the issue of the importance of nurses and midwives doing research Mm. to really help to answer some of these big questions such as this one. Mm. So congratulations, Kath. It's a really important piece of research. And I imagine one thing that prevents Aboriginal people from seeking support in traditional health services is that sense of um, intergenerational trauma, particularly the stolen generation, Mm issues uh, mm. you know, are really embedded for many people that I speak to from those communities mm. and a suspicion about what's going to happen when they access a traditional 
Australian, you know, Australian mm. Health Service. Yeah, that's an absolutely enormous issue for us that we're really trying to grapple with. Um, and, you know, it's front and mind, front centre of our minds as we're doing this research is the history. Um, and it's particularly important for us in maternity services because, you know, our ho- t- children were taken away literally from the hospitals shortly after birth. And so that is, you know, that's a legacy that we're really dealing with at the moment. And, you know, we have that history, those stories are still alive and real for people living today. It's incredibly painful. And the other issue that we have now, sadly, is that children are actually being taken away at a higher rate than originally happened in the, um, you know, than during the stolen generations. And this is because of this in compounding intergenerational trauma effect that we're seeing. So, you know, it's it's a real issue. This this um, you know fear that we have in mater- maternity services yeah. and dealing with complex trauma and how we can, you know, we've really got to work out how we can deal with this because, um, you know, it's important. And as you say, the solution is complex mm. and requires this sort of robust research. And imagine that's where the importance of birthing a country comes into this, is that a lot of people don't want to access traditional services and want to birth a country. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, well, I mean, this, is, this isn't just a problem for Aboriginal women, it's a problem for all people worldwide. I mean, 25 to 50% of people worldwide experience child maltreatment. But it's a, the intergenerational elements and that compounding, you know, it's made it really concentrated and, more, you know, there's a lot more issues that we're dealing with in Aboriginal communities. But one of the things that we're finding you know, that is really clear from parents who have experienced maltreatment and for Aboriginal women as well is this sense of services not being safe. And, and see so the whole... the for somebody who's experienced complex trauma they've grown up in a world that is unsafe so whether things are safe or not everything feels unsafe that constant um, sense of feeling threat and danger around you is the is one of the diagnostic you know symptoms that people are proposing and so then coming into a maternity service where the threat is real and we have that history of it it's no wonder that people are afraid and a lot of the things that we actually do during perinatal care and maternity care can trigger people's trauma responses so a lot of it's quite intimate um, and invasive the procedures that we have there's a lot of um, you know in personal invasion of people's personal space and, and body and that can be really really triggering so people actually feel as though they're back in the original trauma and a lot of parents Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal parents who have experienced this childhood trauma describe their maternity care experience as very similar to the original abuse they experienced as a child so part of trauma-informed care and we're still sort of working around this but the really important elements are feeling safe and having a trusting relationship with the person that's caring for you so whether that be you know for a lot of people that might be birthing on country yeah. in particular because going back to country where people feel safe that you know and I hope Denisha will talk more about this I think but 
you know, country is, is one of the things that's held us and kept us safe in the past. And so that can be a really safer place, you know, for us to be. But also the model of the birthing on country model of care, which is having that relationship with your care provider, is just a really important part of helping, you know, parents to feel safe during a time that could be really traumatic. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Tanisha, you've uh, had a really interesting career to date as a midwife. Um, We were talking about um, some of the great stuff that you've done uh, on our way here today. Would you please share your midwifery background with our listeners and talk a bit about your teaching at Australian Catholic University in the Indigenous Health and Culture subject, please. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Thanks, Mark. Um, So my midwifery journey started, um, I was actually working as an Aboriginal health worker um, in Queensland, that's where I'm from, and I worked within a midwifery group practice uh, for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women. Um, So I worked there for about a year and then decided that I wanted to be able to do more for our women, um, provide more care, um, be more available for them basically. Um, So I decided to start studying midwifery. Um, So I did that through the Australian Catholic University Away From Base program in Brisbane where I was off campus for most of my studies and um, came in four times a year for weekly blocks to do all of the practical sort of stuff. So then I completed that and decided that I would move to Melbourne and applied for a graduate position at the Royal Women's Hospital which I was successful to get in the Aboriginal graduate program. Um, So that was really, I guess, amazing support for me coming from another state. I didn't know anyone here. I didn't have any family here. Um, So the support provided through that program was really amazing and I've made some really great friends, um, especially through the Aboriginal um, program, Um, but also just with the other midwives that were in my um, block, I guess, who who were the graduate program with me. Um, so yeah, so the Royal Women's really that first year in my practice um, gave me a lot of confidence, provided a lot of support and I guess really made me the midwife I am today. Um, so I'm still working at the Royal Women's and I really love working there. And then at the start of, so last year I did some sessional marking with um, Australian Catholic University in the Indigenous Health and Culture subject and then this semester I started doing some teaching into that subject as well so that yeah that's the Indigenous Health and Culture subject at Australian Catholic University. Sounds like a great subject yeah so um, what what sort of things do you teach and I imagine there's a large element around cultural safety and you teach it in a yarning circle, which we're really interested in. Yes, that's correct. So all of our classes, all of the tutorials are taught in a yarning circle. Um, so we just set up our room with no tables, just the chairs, and we all sit around with the students, which I think is a really, um, I found it a great way of teaching. Um, I feel like the students feel quite comfortable. We're all on the same level, we're all equal, and it's about sharing our stories. Um, so yeah, so we teach, I guess we teach about what culture is, what it means for people, um, 
and how they how these students can work it into their practice and how they can be culturally safe and we do a little bit of education about why Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people um, might not want to be accessing uh, mainstream healthcare services yeah. Um, yeah and just trying to instill in the up-and-coming health force how important it is, it is for them to be culturally safe not just for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people but for everyone but specifically why it's so important for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people yeah that's so interesting Tanisha mm -hmm. yeah and when you were a student which you know isn't so long ago it's mm -hmm. longer ago for Kath and I uh, what sort of things supported you and what would you say to nurses and midwife midwifery students who may be struggling with an issue and need support? Um, for myself, I, uh, because I already had a relationship when I was an Aboriginal health worker with some really great midwives at the hospital where I worked, I also did my placement there. So I had two really great midwives who I could go to for support, um, any questions, any concerns, I could turn to them. Um, and ask for support but also the Aboriginal unit um, at ACU were a great support for me as well if I had any problems any questions anything they were more than happy to provide support so yeah I think probably finding someone um, a midwife a nurse or midwife um, support or mentor who can support you through your studies I think is really important yeah, I agree. I think that that notion of having a mentor and somebody you can go to and say, hey, uh, you know, I'm struggling with this or this doesn't quite stack up. I need to kind of get your perspective is so valuable and important yeah. for nurses and midwives. And not being afraid to ask for help when you need it. Yeah. Because everyone goes through those periods where, you know, studying is quite tough, not just doing the study, but your family life, everything around it. So. I, I guess, yeah, being not afraid to ask for help when you need it. Yeah, really important message. So I really hope our listeners connect with that. Don't be afraid to ask for support. Mm -hmm. And nurse and midwife support is available 24-7 to provide that support. So 1-800-667-877. Contact us anytime, anonymous, confidential and free. Now, Kath, we're, uh, Kath and Tanisha, we're here today because we're making this podcast as part of the NAIDOC Week celebrations and they're held across Australia each July to celebrate the history, culture and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. NAIDOC is celebrated not only in Indigenous communities but by Australians from all walks of life and I think that's really important that Australians from all walks of life really connect with the importance of NAIDOC Week. So what does that mean for you, Kat? So those themes of voice, treaty and truth, I think they're really good ones. For me as a midwife, Aboriginal midwife working in Aboriginal maternity care and research, having a voice is really, really important. It's about Aboriginal parents feeling safe to talk about, you know, what's going on during the, this really exciting transition to becoming a parent. And I think it's really important for Aboriginal parents in particular because we had the big movement the women's movement in the 70s and 80s and we a lot of non-indigenous women and women generally were really had a an increased voice and we developed you know there was the evolving birth plans and women becoming more involved in their care but for a lot of those 
reasons that I talked about earlier, including fear of losing children um, and not feeling comfortable in maternity services. I don't think we've seen that yet in for Aboriginal women in maternity care services. I don't think Aboriginal women are... A lot, a lot of women don't yet feel safe to actually just stand up and say what they want in terms of their birth plan, their care. And, you know, for me, I'd really like to see, you know, that confidence and, and for women to be able to feel, Aboriginal women, to feel as safe as other women do in saying what they'd like in maternity care. So that is... Um, what I thought about under voice. I love that. Yeah. And <laughs> how do you think really we foster true. that, Kat? That's a really important point. Well, I think a lot of the training that Tanisha's doing around cultural safety, I think, you know, we actually at the moment sadly have some policies that counter that. Like, you know, I've heard horror stories of people being referred to child protection if they don't turn up to three antenatal appointments and things like that. I think some of these. We're really going to have to think carefully, I think, about some of these policies, the experience of people, especially when they're experiencing trauma, um, coming into our maternity care system. But, you know, this is a real area that just didn't happen for Aboriginal women in, like it did for other women, and, and it's still not happening now. I mean, women, the birthing on country debate is a really important example of that. People are just not feeling comfortable to come in and talk about it. I mean, a lot of women, non-Indigenous women, feel quite comfortable coming in talking about wanting, you know, the things that they want, taking their home, their placenta, so they can plant a rose bush under it or whatever. There's absolutely no reason why Aboriginal women should feel uncomfortable talking about, you know, the kinds of things that will help to make birth a spiritually enriching experience as well as a safe one but we're not there yet, so we need... <laughs> well, do you have any other suggestions to nature? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, a really big question, but I think, I think there needs to be more education as to why that people aren't just not turning up because they don't care. Mm. There's reasons why they're not coming to the health services, and I think until there's that education and people are understanding of that that's why there are these policies where you just refer straight to child protection services and then it's just that vicious cycle again where you know that potentially that child might be taken from that parent because they think that they don't care about coming to appointments but they do it's just the fear of actually mm. coming and accessing the services so yeah it's a big question <laughs> I think fear is I think you've hit the nail on the head there fear is the thing that we really have to address to help people helping people to feel safe mm -hmm. in our in our maternity care system is yeah yeah and what advice would you have for midwives or nurses uh who are really you know like me really connected to this issue and want to try and help make a difference what advice would you have about how we can go about making a difference to dispel that fear that we really hear that that people experience and Health services, particularly hospitals, are very frightening places for many people. I used to work in intensive care and 
you know, I, as, as I worked there for many years, I started to normalise the equipment and all the kind of tubes and the machines that were around the patient. But I always realised that that wasn't the normal experience for relatives and families coming in to visit. So I'd spend some time before I'd bring them in to see their loved one in, in that intensive care bed about what they might experience or see before they came in. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, really, really helped people. Didn't didn't fix their fear, but it really helped them to understand what they might be coming into. Yeah. So have you got advice for about what we can do as nurses and midwives to assist with this fear that people have? Big question. It is a really big question. It's one that we're really thinking about a lot um, at the moment. I think, like you say, being aware of yes. actually what is happening yeah. and understanding those how fright, flight and freeze, those responses are playing out when people are having a fear, intense fear response. Yeah. So if people are you know, fleeing and not turning up, um, you know, if they're, if they're getting angry, helping people to actually recognise that it's normal. I think listening is probably the most important thing in an Aboriginal um, culture, you know, we talk about Dadiri and deep listening and really getting to know the person that you're with and listening on a really deep level, so not just to what people are saying but how they're saying it and looking at people's body language and I think really it's about building up that trust and relationship that is the absolute critical thing yeah, I think they're very important points. I really like awareness, I like listening. I think they're really and 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 that going towards building trust. Yeah. Tanisha, would you add to that? I think yeah, that really really good points. I think I guess just understanding that you do have to spend time yarning and that mm -hmm. um, just because you meet them and and you're, you're there and you're providing care doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to feel safe straight away. So you really need to build that relationship, spend the time um, to yarn with them and, I guess, yeah, build those connections because that's the only way that they're going to... Aboriginal and Torres the people are going to feel more comfortable to access services if they can build good relationships. Um, and, yeah, education, educating yourself and educating other um, nurses and midwives that may not... Um, understand as well or if things are, are being said that you think they might not be right it's always good to just if you can step in and just say no this is this is how it should be done yeah I think education and yeah and I think it's that thing that um, I find a lot of nurses and midwives are really good at that feeling of empathy for what somebody might be going through. So imagining you standing in their shoes and how you would feel mm -hmm. in that situation and then showing that, and, and you said it in your presentation that you sent me, Kath, compassionate care. Mm. Showing compassionate care, kindness, empathy and sensitivity uh, and mm. includes parents to build trust and feel valued mm. and cared for. Mm. Yep. I think that was a really important part of your research that I read. Mm, that's true. Yep, I think, uh, you know, that's a really important point. To, and the other one that I should have mentioned from another paper that we've just sort of put out there is around 
empowerment, choice and control. So rather than telling people what to do, offering a couple of choices and for people who, you know, because of those effects of trauma, having some sort of control is really, really critical. People said even though some of the things that we do during pregnancy and birth are quite invasive, there's really strong, you know, stories from people talking about it's not what you do but how you do it. So taking time to explain to people what you're going to do it's not the same for every person that's what makes it a little bit tricky that's why you really do need to know people so some people for instance would say they don't like being told everything that's going to do because that might be what their abuser told them Mm -hmm. Um, but you know for some people you know that is really important but certainly giving people the choice to opt in and out of the types and to to be conscious of how people are reacting to what's happening in in care so that, you know, you can stop or give other choices or, or options. So I think actually I've got the themes up there around yeah, care and compassion, having a voice, choice, control and agency, you know. And the other thing that pe- we, people talk about is even though people might have had a lot of difficulty in the past having a baby is such an important chance for new hope and new beginnings and it's a time when people talk about what we call hope affirming practices so strength you know we talk about strength based a lot in aboriginal health but around birth Mm -hmm. yeah it's a slightly different nuance with hope affirming Mm -hmm. practice so really finding out what people's hopes are and what we can do to really support people in that because it is a sort of time when people can piece back together and another nice analogy I heard was around reweaving a future sort of pulling um, parts there's there's, we have this history of intergenerational trauma but now with this new baby coming into the world and babies are sacred Mm -hmm. and we know that so how people can Help, how we can help people to reweave that future back together um, for themselves and their new baby and most, you know, everybody wants that it's just how we can do that so trying to be positive as well I think is and, and reassuring parents about what you know, that they can do this and putting the support in place Really important points yeah. Kath, thank you Tanesha, you're nodding. Have you you've got anything you want to add to that? No, just great, really great work. Um, yeah. It's amazing. I feel privileged to be here and yeah. hearing about all of these things. It's really great because I think, yeah, support is probably the number one, the biggest, most important thing that we can provide is supporting mm. our families, mm. um, putting things in place so that they can achieve the things that they want to achieve and be the family that they want to be. So, yeah, it's really great. Thank you. And are going to talk a bit about the other themes in this NAIDOC Week's um, key messages. Great. Thanks, Mark. So, yeah, I just think they're fantastic themes. Um, Treaty, under the theme of treaty, one of the things that I think is really important for me is that all Australians can start to really appreciate and celebrate that we're living in the a country where we have the longest oldest living culture in the world and there's just so much wisdom and particularly around this area of 
pregnancy, parenting, birth and complex trauma. I mean, one of the most exciting things about the research we're doing is that most of the team, the research team, are Aboriginal and we're drawing together that um, Aboriginal wisdom and knowledge with uh, research methods, Western research methods. And there is so much knowledge in our community around birthing and parenting in particular around relational development of children and that has been a lot of that has not been uh, you know understood as much outside of Aboriginal culture but I think it's it's very very rich and we all want to be able to celebrate that and finally under truth I think the main thing is just that I want to say under that was that there's nothing to be afraid of with truth. We all can, you know, I'm from, I have a mixed background from both sides and I think we can all, we just need to um, be honest and and deal with it and it isn't anything to be afraid of. It's mainly something that we can all, you know, we do have that history, but moving forward, you know, I really would like to see us celebrate and, and so, that, so that our children can be happy. That's one thing that our ancestors would all want is for you know, it's to work towards a future where our children are all happy. Thank you very much, Kath. I can't believe we've got to the end of the podcast. Time flies when you're talking to such great guests like yourselves. My hope is that we can all work together as nurses and midwives to provide support for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, and we can do that in a collaborative, person-centred way. So we hope today you've got some key messages that will enable you to do that, and we'll have more information up on our website that you'll be able to access when once you've listened to this podcast, so nmsupport.org.au. And... I'd really like to thank you for the invitation to come along today. It's a real privilege to come and talk to you and your listeners. And thanks so much for the invitation. Thanks, Kath. We really appreciate it. It's our our privilege to have you both speak on the Nurse and Midwife Support Podcast. So thanks again. Thank you. I'd also like to say thank you. It's been a privilege and I've really enjoyed being here on the podcast. Tanish, you've been great guests. And I know our listeners will really benefit from your words of wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks. It's great to have people like Tanisha coming coming in and take you know taking on the baton. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So if you've found this podcast useful, please share it with other nurses, midwives and students. And if you need support, NM Support is available 24-7, or contact us via the website nmsupport.org.au. I'll speak to you next time. Thank you to Osmed for their generosity in making the editing of this podcast possible.